Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. From the minds that brought you the smash hit podcast Your Life The Mixtape and Headliners comes Your Life The Mixtape magazine, a free monthly digital magazine that focuses on music, culture, and social commentary on current news and events. Visit www.yourlifethemixtape.com to subscribe today. Hello there, I, I want to take a moment to talk to you about Dear Dean Magazine from Dear Dean Publishing, my favorite subscription only monthly digital magazine. It's got subscriber generated content about politics, pop culture, travel, family, pets, and poetry and wellness articles and features, contributor articles from nationally recognized journalists, writers, and artists, and provides opportunities for novice writers and authors and other contributors to share their voice, talents, and words. Did I mention that it's completely free? Dear Dean Magazine provides free advert space for small creators, authors, and podcasters, fulfilling its vision that some art should always be free. It's owned and operated by Myron J. Clifton and is designed and distributed by Katya J. Lerner at Buzzword Consulting. Visit deardean.com slash subscribe to get signed up. You're listening to Headliners, the show featuring the best and brightest of music from all over the world. Please welcome your host, Greg Howard Jr. This week, I am joined by an absolutely incomparable artist, somebody whose music I have fell in love with over the past couple of weeks. Please welcome the brilliant, the amazing, the one and only Honey Gentry. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much. That was so kind. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being here. So, uh, what is out from you right now that everybody should be listening to? Um, so back in May, I put out my um, newest EP, which is called Different Water, um, which would be really great if people listen to that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then I have kind of something about 70% done. Um, at the moment that I'm hoping to be able to share um, soon, kind of a one-off thing. But for the moment, please, different water <laughs> um, from from the spring. So if you had to describe different water using only one word, what would that word be? Um, I think I would say it's introspective. If that's yeah questioning myself if that's even a word now but I think it <laughs> introspective yes um, yes it is yeah. I would say I would say it's for um reflecting you know thinking about stuff um which there's a time and a place and I think the CP is for that time and place <laughs> um who who is an artist that if they jumped into the zoom right now and said, honey, you have to come on tour with me right this instant. Who are you who are you leaving this meeting for? Um do you know what? There's a few people that kind of immediately come to mind. Um I think the most l- obvious person would be Lana, Lana Del Rey. Um I saw her live in July when she played at um Hyde Park in London, and it was such a um it was a it was an experience that I don't often have at um concerts like you know I love live music obviously but 
for an artist that you've um, kind of loved and looked up to for like since since I was a teenager, basically. Um, obviously, as I get older, there's fewer and fewer of those artists that have that effect on me because <laughs> my teenagers kind of disappear into the review. But um, yeah, I think I think I'd love I'd love if it was somebody like Lana or any of those artists that kind of I spent my teenage years like super obsessed. Marina and the Diamonds was another um, another person I really really looked up to, um, but I was also hardcore obsessed with my chemical romance so even though it'd be a bit of a crazy genre match (laughs) um there's yeah there's a few that come to mind but I think um yeah I I would love to um be noticed by Lana Tomic (laughs) I guess is the word I was looking for (laughs) acknowledged in some way so if uh, if any of Lana's people happen to stumble across <laughs> this episode, um, I I will vouch for Honey. Um, you, you. You, should, you should definitely give her a call. That would be so good. And I'd have to turn Do Not Disturb off on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it now, like just in case, you know. <laughs> If you could change one thing about the music industry, what would it be? Um, I think I'm going to give like a slightly selfish answer here because um, obviously it pertains to my <laughs> experience. Um, but I think I would love to see a shift to where you could be truly DIY, truly independent and still kind of be financially viable, kind of thrive financially at making an income from from music. Um, because I mean, my situation is I still work full time, like in a in a another job, and that's always been the case. Um, and I know that's obviously for many, many, many people in creative fields in general. You have your kind of your nine to five, and you know your passion projects. But um, I think the m- more that I've seen like numbers in streaming and everything to where I'm like really proud of the um the streaming figures and kind of at a point that I'm really happy with it's just a shame to me that it's not to the point where I can do it full time you know it's like what more do I have to (laughs) kind of um to do to reach that next step of being able to be like fully full-time while still being, you know, my own manager and, you know, my own, like, essentially record label, you know, like, it's just me. Um, And so, yeah, I would love to see a shift where streaming platforms paid out, you know, to a point where you could, you could have a career at my kind of quite small niche level, but still have a living. That would be like, I'd love to see that shift happen. And I think the technology's there, like the platforms and everything. I hope it's the future, um, but selfishly, I wish it would happen in my <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> Anytime in the next like, 80 years would be great. But um, yeah, I think that would be it. Like more more viability for being truly DIY. Um, yeah, that would be that. What's What's a venue that you'd give anything to play? Like what's the dream venue for you? Um, I would love to play a venue that's like set in nature. Um, because I was thinking about it earlier this year, I was in um Spain and we went to Gibraltar, and there's a cave there where they host events and they'll have music, and um, I think they even do like live comedy and kind of just in person events. But when I was in the space I thought like what it must be so amazing to play a show in an ancient cave (laughs) I would just (laughs) love to do um I think it's called St Michael's Cave um but it's like it's an event space in Gibraltar and it's just like those kinds of um places where the venue is as much of a character as the music would be really cool a red rock as well um trying to think now but yeah anything that was kind of the the natural world was part of the performance would be so cool like 
real immersive kind of experience would be dream red rock is the most popular answer to that is it really? yeah yeah. Oh, I feel really unoriginal now. <laughs> no, it's look. As, speaking as someone who who has seen a couple shows at Red Rock, mm-hmm. it it is absolutely life changing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, having also been in similar kind of natural environment, the way that the the light of like a sunset or something interacts with that kind of scenery, you're just like, am I even on Earth? Like, am I on another planet at the moment? um so yeah maybe I would find it actually too distracting and I should just attend a show there (laughs) rather than try and actually be present in what I'm doing because I think I'd be too too excited but um yeah I can see why it's the most popular answer they're probably booked for the next hundred years (laughs) so um yeah but I'll do some more research and find some more original natural (laughs) (laughs) When when you do, send me an email, and we'll we'll have you back, and we'll just we'll do a whole show about venues that are built into a natural space, and that yeah. we'll just do a whole theme show, just you and me. That sounds good. I'll I'll make it my mission. Maybe I'll compile like a traveler's guide, you know, lonely planet guide oh, to. <laughs> that would be cool. Venues, um, yeah, that would be really fun, um, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm happy to play live anywhere. <laughs> you know, just just as a disclaimer for anyone thinking, oh, I was going to book her, but <laughs> um, yeah. What do you think is your worst habit during the songwriting process? Um, I think my worst habit is like. Once I have an idea and I kind of know the direction a song's going in, I think I've put way too much pressure on myself to finish it because I'm quite aware that for me, starting something is very easy and then actually finishing it is quite difficult. (laughs) Um, So I do often find that if I have an idea where I'm like excited about it and I really want to put it out into the world, I I get this point where I will be about 50% done and then I'm like I have to put this out in two months time and therefore I need four weeks to send it to the district I start to give myself these like really crazy fake deadlines (laughs) (laughs) oh it has this song has to come out in the summer because it's such a summer song rather than just waiting until next (laughs) summer I'm like to myself okay it's February which means I have to have it mixed and mastered but I, I suddenly start to like put this crazy fake timeline because I I am someone that if I don't have a deadline I really struggle to wrap up something um so I think that's something I'm trying to kind of work on at the moment is I'm working on something I'm just going to give it the time it needs and it it will come out when it comes out it's not um you know there's literally nobody saying where is it what's happened you know the last thing only came out in may it's september now it's fine that there's nothing coming <laughs> out like, um but i think that's another aspect of being diy is you feel like you always have to have something something coming up something in the works something kind of in the future that you can tell people about and kind of keep people interested so i think there's an element of that in it as well where i'm just like I have to I have to put number one I have to put it out because I'm super excited about it but number two I have to put it out because it's been a year since the last thing it's been you know I put this like fake pressure on myself and it does not come from anywhere except my own calendar app like I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not looking at anything kind of contractual or anything like that but um yeah that's my worst habit because it, it starts early in the process <laughs> so, um yeah, it's not like I've finished it and I'm like, right, what should I do for the release plan? I'm I'm writing the second chorus and I'm like, right, this has got to come out. <laughs> you know, this has got to be done. So, um, yeah, that needs to be worked on, I think. But... I, I, I definitely, I feel you on that. Um, I will see like other podcasts do like, oh, well, you know, our 
five millionth episode is 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 coming out and in the back of my head i'm going okay so it's september now i could probably hit five million episodes if i record one episode every hour for the next two months (laughs) and then you know by the time that their five millionth comes out mine can come out the next day and then i can and my friends are like what is wrong with you yeah yeah, it's 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 a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> it's like timelines. I think that you know. It's, I think it's a human thing to be so aware of time, you know, um, and and milestones and yeah, it's a human. <laughs> what can we do? <laughs> How would you describe your music using only colors and shapes? Yeah, I was thinking about this one. Um, I think the colors would be, um, again, like sunset colors. Um, so like a, like a pastel-y pink and a kind of lilac, um, you know, light blue. Um, those are the kinds of, um, colors that show up in reference palettes a lot when I do that kind of um if I do like a pin board or something to kind of put together artwork or visuals or something like that I think those kinds of um floral colors as well you're kind of like pale yellow and um green and kind of natural world colors I guess (laughs) um and then in terms of shape, I think that's a lot harder. Um, and I would say, I'm going to be a bit pretentious and say maybe it's more like a liquid and it takes the shape of the container. <laughs> so nice. rather than having like a set shape, it's a bit more up to the container of the listener. Because <laughs> like, um, I, like I think. That. Yeah, I think li- fluidity is something that I I feel a lot more than kind of structure when I think of my work. Um, so, yeah, its shape is water. <laughs> like, nice. Um, nice. I had to like really recall some kind of <laughs> primary school science there to be like, water is not a shape. Do not say shape water. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's my roundabout way of saying that i love it do you do you consider yourself an artist or an entertainer oh artist because i'm also like kind of pretentious <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's absolutely the, the most like pretentious way um yeah i would say i'd say artist but also i'm i'm kind of a, a very enclosed person um so the entertaining aspect of what I do is the stuff I find actually the hardest um the like live performance booking gigs playing gigs recovering after playing gigs <laughs> that process <laughs> is the most um kind of uh energetically draining um for me I enjoy playing live music but I do not enjoy the process around it the lead up to it the even to the point of walking onto a stage is like still completely terrifying to me um and uh yeah I I'm definitely most happy writing and recording and kind of coming up with the music than necessarily presenting it in person to a bunch of people some of whom are not even there to see me (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely the part that I find the trickiest and I've seen some I've seen like, you know, obviously I've been to shows where I don't necessarily know the opener or I'll go and, you know, there'll be a bunch of people on. Um, And you do see people out there that are so um, magnetic, like they are just natural born performers. And you just fall in love with it. You've seen them once, you don't know any of their music, you don't know anything about them. You just, you know, you see them and they're kind of like natural born performers. So I do know those people are out there and I'm more than comfortable to admit that I'm not one of them. Um, but I think that coming to the pandemic made me realize how much I appreciate the writing and recording and producing aspect of it. So I felt 
fine enough to embrace that side of what I do without beating myself up that I'm not like someone that loves singing in public because people have been like oh you don't like singing in front of people that's kind of a big part of it and I'm like yeah I know (laughs) don't you think I don't know that (laughs) um but we just have to kind of accept it you know we all have our we all have our like roles in the world I guess so that's not mine (laughs) (laughs) what moment in your career are you most proud of um I think the answer that comes like immediately to mind is the day my very first vinyl pressing was delivered to me um or actually not my very first vinyl pressing because I had a single press as part of a um a postal service where you signed up and you were a member and you would get records delivered to it was called flying vinyl um so I had Aphrodite pressed as part of that in 2019 so I did hold a physical copy of my music before my album my very first album which was quite surreal and amazing but obviously it had been kind of very kindly helped along by flying vinyl I I hadn't made it happen in that way you know um but when I um put out my first album it was obviously digitally released and then I did a um a crowdfunded vinyl pressing and when my copies of the vinyl were delivered to me I was like I can't believe I actually successfully pressed a vinyl like um so I think that was my proudest moment in the sense of being like I actually made an album and not only does it exist on the internet which is just like the ether the digital world where you don't necessarily feel like you own it in any way and then I was like wow I have an album like that I pressed and family members that bought them had me sign them you know kind of goofy things like that um goofy in a loving way I'm I'm using that word (laughs) but um yeah I would say that was my most um what's the word not profound but like meaningful milestone moment because everything prior to that had been successes that I'd had on or as a result of the internet which doesn't always feel as tangible there was also a funny moment where I saw my music written about in a physical magazine for the first time actually might be first and only time (laughs) Um, which was the rodeo uh, which is a really awesome magazine and online outlet um here and I have two copies of that magazine I think because oh, I, yeah. I had one and then I was like I want another one <laughs> like, um just in case anything happens like it was a you know like a songs we're loving you know little feature um and I was like there's my little face like on a magazine so um I'm kind of I think because of when I was discovering music and growing up with music um as a kid the physical aspect of music ownership and music discovery and everything was a huge part of it so that's the things that I associate with success is the stuff I thought of when I was a kid as like I'd love to be in a magazine or I'd love to have a cd you know made um you know when I was 15 having a million spotify streams was not a thing so (laughs) 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 it is obviously um awesome but it 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 doesn't feel as like I don't know how to describe it it's like yeah but I think also like having my first song hit a million streams was a bit like wow um I can't believe um people have listened that much (laughs) that many times um and like yeah when you see those like streaming milestones um, but for me, it's like the music nerd stuff. It's like holding a record of my music, even if only a hundred people bought it, which I think was the pressing goal. And such a large percentage of that was me. And my family. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad had five copies at least. Um, but yeah, the physical stuff, like it's extra special, you know. Tell me about the moment that you decided that you wanted to pursue music. Hmm. Um, I think there's kind of like two parts to, I mean, it's no, it's no, um, 
surprised by now that there's a convoluted story (laughs) 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 so so there's not every answer I give but um I think I was quite highly aware when I was a child um that I loved music and I wanted music to be my life um and I've very much felt like that when I was a kid like I was very I was very all-encompassing very intense child (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I was absolutely obsessed with Gwen Stefani when I I mean starting from the age of like maybe six or seven years old um, because my dad would it was Rocksteady the album the No Doubt album that we had uh, that we had on in the car all the time and I was Gwen Stefani was the first um, artist that I kind of connected with, realised songwriting was even a thing, Um, you know, that kind of like girl power aspect to it. I'm like really ageing myself, but the girl power, (laughs) you know, Spice Girls had been a very influential thing during during my very, very young years. Um, But it was never like something I thought I couldn't, do um I just didn't really know how I would go about doing it I didn't write songs as a child really um I wrote kind of stories and stuff like that um but I knew music would be a big part of it I just really didn't know how it's really weird to like explain um and I guess the music that I was into when I was growing up was a lot more of like bands and i thought to myself I'll join a at some point something will happen where I'll join a band and it just never happened (laughs) um I think again going back to kind of being a bit more enclosed as a person a bit more of an introvert not gonna just go up to someone like can I be in your band like I'm just not (laughs) I'm you know you read those kinds of stories of like the origins of bands and it's like oh they were at a show and they just came up to us and said can we join your band that was never gonna happen for me but I thought to myself you know at some point something will click and it will just it will just happen and then as I got a bit older um Lady Gaga came along and it was very um like meaningful to me as um a kind of teenager at the time I really really loved 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 her and that was what shifted my attention towards like female solo artists because obviously prior to that I was you know super super heavy on like my cam, as I said, Nine Inch Nails, um, you know, my dad would take me and we would go and see like Iron Maiden, Rush, you know, like um, my dad took me to my very first, I think it was my first concert and it was Good Charlotte at Brixton Academy. So I was thinking I was going to join a band like this. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking any minute now, someone's going to form the next Good Charlotte and I'll be fronting it, (laughs) which regretfully didn't happen. I don't know, because that would be pretty sick. But um, I wasn't, interested prior to kind of Lady Gaga I wasn't wasn't as connected to like solo female artists obviously Gwen went solo but her origin story was that she was in a band so I was like well you know Debbie Harry via Blunt you know you can go solo once you've been in a band <laughs> that, was my, <laughs> that was my um understanding of the trajectory my life would, would take naturally um but uh no, it was it was really Lady Gaga that made me think, oh, you can stand up there like and have dances and a show and everything, but it's essentially just you. Like prior to that, that for some reason that hadn't occurred to me. Um, but I also saw I started to get interested in artists like the Pierces. Um after I saw them on Jules Holland, I think in like 2010 or 11 or something and when their album came out and I went to see them live a couple of times and I started to get interested in that more like mellow softer you know female-led vocals um people would compare them to like Fleetwood Mac so I was like well I need to get into Fleetwood Mac now (laughs) (laughs) um but again you know a female in a band I was like oh you know I I don't know if I'm going to be Stevie Nicks like um but uh yeah and then um marina and the diamonds you know like i said it was those kinds of like more solo female pop artists and i was like man i just don't think i'm gonna make pop me i don't think i'm a pop girly you know and then lana came along and i was like oh my god (laughs) you can make pop 
adjacent, singer-songwriter-leaning, solo female. She just ticked all the boxes of, like, I guess everything up until that point where I was like, I don't have a blueprint for, like, how I'm going to position myself, what I'm going to do, like, what is my voice, you know? Um, and by that point, I was... Um, I think getting ready to leave school or I had left school or something like that. And I went to film school and I was like, right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a screenwriter. I'm going to channel my passion for writing. I'm going to be a screenwriter. <laughs> and um, yeah, I kind of just jumped from like idea to idea. I kind of still do this. <laughs> um, and it was really when I left film school. So I was like 21 and I was like, no, I still want to be a singer. Like I still want to be um you know, I still want to be an artist. And obviously by that point, um, Lana was like fully, this is like 2015 or something. She, you know, she was fully like a major artist. And um, yeah, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of that really. I had that more, um, yeah, just, just, just knowing that you could have a career that looked a bit, a bit different, but was still kind of, um, in the room with bands and pop stars, you know, you didn't have to be like obscure forever, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how I got this like super roundabout way. Um, basically, long story short, I always knew um, that I would, and then I just really committed to it when I left film school because I was like, this is not. It, I just don't feel the same way about it. Um, and uh yeah yikes <laughs> after all the student debt I was like oh god I don't know if I could dedicate my life to this <laughs> but yeah so if if you could start your career over from day one hmm. would you do anything differently um would I do anything differently you know what I don't really think I would um aside from going back to like literally pre-birth and be born to like someone famous <laughs> <laughs> I think like, you, you'd have to go back pretty far <laughs> to do something <laughs> that radically different not that I don't um adore my parents but it's not helping you know <laughs> um, but yeah I I don't really feel I guess I guess because you know like I said I still have like a parallel career um as a video editor so I don't really feel like I have a music career to reflect on in that way I still feel like it's kind of set to start um I guess I would in a way I would start earlier but I guess you run the risk then of like uh having too many because by the time I'd started songwriting, I was very much like aware of who I was as a person. And like, I didn't have as much of like confidence issues that I'd had, had I been writing songs when I was 16. And somebody said to me, that's a bit derivative. It would have just destroyed me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so I was going to say, like, oh, I wish I'd started earlier, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. I'm, I'm glad that I just spent my teenage years being obsessed with other bands. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, I wasn't a teenager that was ever going to be like out there singing or doing anything like that. Um, so in hindsight, I'm glad it all kind of <laughs> glad I was a bit older when I started. Uh, I'm glad I didn't grow up on Instagram. I'm glad I didn't grow up on t you know, like, yeah, I think, yeah, you get to a, maybe it's like a late twenties thing where you're like, like really escaped. <laughs> probably everybody feels like wow I'm, I'm glad it wasn't 20 when mtv was around you know? <laughs> like probably everybody feels like kids these days <laughs> yeah um, but yeah i'm perfectly kind of yeah satisfied i guess with um how it's all been <laughs> when are you most creative um I hate to admit this, but like in the dead of winter, I feel like that's kind of an un, untrendy answer. <laughs> um, but because I, I was thinking about this recently was 
I just get the most done. And I think it's because there's no social calendar. There's no, um, there's kind of nothing else to do, especially in England. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> um, you know, in the summer, everybody goes crazy. Like your your calendar fills up because there's only that very short amount of time to like have a barbecue, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get family together, go and see everyone like in the winter. Sorry, the truck just went past. Um, and I think winter is, it's, it's kind of naturally a more, uh, introverted at home. Um, I kind of, I was in a state of denial about how much I actually liked winter until (laughs) quite recently. I was like, no, I'm definitely like a summer person. I'm, I'm completely a summer person, but I, I think as much as I hate to admit it, I think I'm like an autumn winter person um and I just get more done I'm not really sure why but um yeah a winter like a like a Tuesday in November um from 5 p.m is probably my peak (laughs) productivity um for the year because I'm I'm like I have to do something to stop myself going down that kind of like winter you know bad vibes winter and then if I'm making music then I'm like it's a good winter you know like (laughs) candle you know candles are lit and um you know fairy lights are up you know I I actively try and make it a productive time and then yeah it kind of works so yeah but I think it's a bit of a like uncool answer like I think (laughs) um, I'd love to say that I I'm like super inspired in the summer but I'm just not (laughs) I'm too busy and drained (laughs) (laughs) most people like most people that have been on the show it's usually um oh you know like first thing in the morning i'm Mm. drinking coffee this is the first time that somebody's ever been like it's a tuesday it's november (laughs) it's five o'clock in the afternoon there's (laughs) candles there's fairy lights Uh, (laughs) right on i'm i'm here for it definitely i don't think an idea has ever come to me before 5 p.m <laughs> of, of any kind <laughs> you know whether it's what i'm gonna eat for dinner or what i need to do today um i'm definitely not like a morning person in, in that way um but i think also it ties into growing up and um i i started like um teaching myself um like logic well garage band like logic pro and stuff when I was at school so I would do it after school so it was very much like an evening thing you know I'd like come home do what I never whatever I needed to do like if I absolutely had to do homework or something I'll just do it like as quickly as possible um and then I was kind of more like a hermit child in my bedroom like I spent my entire teenage years in my bedroom just kind of like teaching myself about like SoundCloud and like um there used to be um Trent Reznor used to write a blog um oh, I don't know yeah. if he still does but um yeah I used to read like anything about music production making it in me that kind of stuff I think the like early 20 late 2000s early 2010 internet um in terms of like blogs and information being shared and like the very not start but the peak of that kind of music file sharing bands experimenting with giving music away for free I think maybe Radiohead did it Nine Inch Nails definitely did um and just kind of like sharing information about music production never watched a YouTube video until I was like 20 I don't know why (laughs) Um, but it was blo- it was blogs and like forums and stuff, and I'd just be like, you know, how do you get this effect? How do you do this? You know, how do you do that? So that an evening spent doing that was literally a Tuesday after school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, there would be nothing else going on, obviously. Um, I think that carried over into my adulthood. You know, I'd get home from work and I would work on whatever I was working on in the evening. So I think it's just um, wired my brain in that way, like mornings are for stuff you don't want to do (laughs) that's completely Um, fair yeah (laughs) um no offense to my day job but (laughs) 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 yeah prior to i mean now i finish at six so prior to 6 p.m now um 
yeah the the, the daytime is for um obligation and the nighttime is for creativity it's always been that way for me so yeah so if this uh episode suddenly turned into like a tiny desk concert type thing mm. uh what is the first song on your set list um the first song on my set list at the moment is now i wait from my ep dream lover doubted myself there i was like <laughs> where did this song come from um but it was it's from it's from dream lover i'm pretty sure i'm doubting now whether the ep was even called dream Lover. i'm saying that quite quickly <laughs> <laughs> yes it was um and that's the song that i'm opening with or planning on opening with when i play next week um simply the reason for that is it's one of the easier ones for me to play when i self-accompany so i'm kind of like easing myself in <laughs> um but i guess if it wasn't a case of practicality um would i still open with it i don't know maybe i would actually it's kind of a sweet song <laughs> yeah it's now i wait from dream lover yeah i'm more of a closer i like to say things <laughs> <laughs> I like to I like to leave them on a high rather than um, front loading with all the good stuff. So, yeah. What What advice do you have for the next generation of artists? Um, that's a good question. Um, what advice do I have? Um, Join Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, uh. like. <laughs> Do, do what I did. Join a band. <laughs> Make <it> up. <laughs> um, no, I guess I would say, um, I guess it's hard to feel like I'm in a position to give advice. Um, but I would say that for me, what works the best in terms of feeling happy and fulfilled with what I'm doing is to try and do stuff that's completely coming from within yourself. I know that sounds like so, um, I was going to swear, but I'm not going to. <laughs> it sounds so bad. I mean, you can. <laughs> like wanky. But, um, but yeah, I, I think I've definitely, um, especially before Different Water, I was working on a project and I was really happy with the product. I'd done this song and I was like, I love the production. Like, I'm really pleased with what I've managed to achieve with the production. Reason being, I recently discovered like a new sample library and I'd just gone completely crazy. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this sounds, this sounds like a cinema score. Like I literally sound like... Um, you know, I've I've scored Interstellar or so I was really like hyping myself. <laughs> um but I was writing the lyrics because I don't usually work like that where I start with the music and then write the lyrics. I, I generally is more like symbiotic. And I was like trying to fit lyrics in to this song because I was like, I love the instrumental that I've done. The world has to hear it. <laughs> um and I just couldn't write anything that felt like I wasn't writing to fill the space in the song if that makes sense um and I probably wrote like three different songs worth of lyrics to this music that I that I had done I was like so desperate to have it on the EP um and I was just like it's just I'm just not saying anything that's I'm just throwing words together at this point <laughs> like you know <laughs> like images and what and it was just too um forced and like um curated and like uh what's the word what's the word when something is unnatural uh ah uh, yeah. synthetic you know there you go and I was like yeah it just it just feels like I've like even AI generated the lyrics like <laughs> I put into an AI generator honey gentry <laughs> it was like threw these words out and I was like that'll do um so yeah I just wasn't even though I loved the music I had to kind of let it go for the time being and think maybe in time I'll write some lyrics and then I'll revisit the music and I'll realize those two things go together better 
um, and they kind of do justice to one another. But I would say that having a process where you can be honest with yourself in that way um, is probably something that it's taken me like a while to get to. Um, But I would recommend everybody do, if that makes sense. Like find out what it is that you want to say what do you want to explore with your work and then commit to it and like um do it honestly and do it like from you um and yeah I think that's that's it really like it's especially when you start I think everybody goes through a phase of like emulating a lot and um you know I had obviously I was making music long before I put anything out as like honey gentry um just privately and everything and then if I hear it back I'm like I can very much hear the pierces you know like I said like I was obsessed with or like my kind of yeah that I can I can hear those influences very strongly um because that's just the process you go through when you're like learning anything like you know if I was a painter I'd probably have done five attempts at like a Picasso (laughs) um you know and I think there's a way of balancing like you know genre convention and the people that have inspired you and come before you and like that you looked up to and you know the music you grew up listening to plus your own voice and then I think once you can kind of balance all of those things in a way that's genuine to you you're you're doing it <laughs> like you've you you're in the club and i i feel like it's only in more kind of more recent years that i've been much more yes i'm i'm finally kind of i know what my footing is what it is i'm trying to offer um because i think i i think i had an idea of it but i didn't i didn't have the confidence in it to to do it you know there's that element of it too of being like oh you know do I really want to write about this because it's going to but you know I'm gonna have to then talk about it and like you know um it's easier to kind of create something that you find um or I have found it was easier to create music that I found beautiful over true if that makes it I'm working closing that gap you know (laughs) Um, I'd rather make a song that sounds less good but is saying more now. Um, Whereas I used to be a lot more like if my music sounded like a film score, I was so happy. You know what I mean? Like that was the thing I was going for was like the immersion in listening to it. Whereas now I'm a bit more like the message is at the moment slightly more important to me. But that might change. Who knows? As long as it's truly guided by me, then I'm happy. I don't mind if it changes. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a roundabout way, I guess, of saying. What I'm... <laughs> yeah. So if there were twenty-five hours in a day, what would you do with that extra hour? <laughs> I'd waste it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie to you. Um. <laughs> I would not be a good custodian of that extra hour. (laughs) 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 Yeah. uh, What would I do? Uh, My flat would probably be a bit tidier and I'd probably have more groceries in the cupboard. (laughs) Um, But I guess if it was 25 creative hours, um, I would... I'd probably make more time for other hobbies um, outside of making music because... I went through a phase kind of as we were coming out of like the lockdowns and everything of doing things like um, I, I didn't do any of these things well, but I was interested in like making a quilt or um, embroidery. I embroidered my backpack, you know, just tactile things to do where you have something at the end of it, but it's, you're not doing it for really any, I don't want to say it, but like capitalist purpose. You know what I mean? Like you just have a hobby yeah. for having a hobby. Like that's, you know, not being like, oh, this is my career. This is my side career. You know, there's 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 sometimes too much wrapped up in that thing of like success in something. Like 
if I made a quilt, the fact the quilt exists is success. You know, no one's ever going to see it. It's not for anyone. It's in a basket in my room. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the process of making it was the successful thing. Um, and I think oh, I did things like candle making. What else did I make? I made candles and I made something else that you made in the kitchen. I can't remember what messy hobbies, basically. Um, so I think I would use my extra hour doing like enrichment time. <laughs> you know? Just no, no purpose. Trying to remember what the other hobby was. I had like a flower press. I had, I was definitely doing sewing. I was definitely making candles, but I feel like there was something else that was bordering on a slightly dangerous hobby. That I was <laughs> oh, maybe it was the candle making, but um, yeah, stuff like that. Photography, um, yeah, just other creative pursuits that are just for the sake of doing them. I would do that. I like that. You know, during the the entire world was locked down, and suddenly, like we all started acting like it was the 1800s and like we were making quilts and we were yeah. making sourdough and candles yeah. and yeah. like the, <laughs> the whole of the internet is is there and we're like i have to make candles and potpourri and yeah. like, you <laughs> know i started a garden and you yeah. know yeah i mean i i think I, I guess there's something to that thing of like free time that the lockdowns and everything for me really, because what, what happened in the lockdowns that was, I have to admit, I loved lockdown. I have there. <laughs> I said it, <laughs> you know, <That's> fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, my life pre and pre, pre and post lockdown is 180 degrees. Like I used to, um, prior to the lockdowns I had been I'd graduated like I don't know 2015 so I'd spent five years working full-time in central London so I'd commute every single day from the suburbs to Westminster Westminster twice a day three hours I guess each day commuting like to immediately get that time back every single day um and not be drained from being in an office like you know because commuting in London is kind of like one of the circles of hell um and it's loud dirty horrible other people coughing on you even prior to the pandemic that used to stress me out so much um so like to immediately have all that um overstimulation and stuff um removed meant I had so much mental space you know I, I made my first album basically because of um the lockdown and like you know having you know I'd literally close my laptop at five o'clock and then the rest of the day was mine and I had never been my life ever probably like for everyone else um so I think I was a bit later to the like sourdough quilting vibe because I was making an album <laughs> in that it, I was like, yes, I, ha I have to use this opportunity like to, to get done because it might not happen again. Um, but um, yeah, once I did join the quilting and um, under making club, I was a fully paid up member. I was really obsessed. Um, but yeah, went on a tangent there. Sorry. So what, ideally, what would you like for uh, people to get from your music? Um, I, I think nowadays, or like with the music I've made in the last three years, <laughs> I think then, <laughs> um, the music like from HG, my first album, Dream Girl, my second another lockdown product <laughs> um, and then different water. I think there was a bit of a shift to, um, and it started slightly before all of that happened. Um, but I think it was to do with working alone for the first, cause I used to work with um, a co-writer Ruben um, and we would create stuff together. So my work was a lot more um, collaborative. And when I started working alone, I, just wrote different things I guess and obviously produced them in the way that 
the voice of the producer was then my voice, if that makes sense. So I was telling the story through the music and the lyrics rather than necessarily just the lyrics, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think there's been a bit of a pivot towards more of um, reflecting on like childhood, um, space, <laughs> um, kind of more, uh, I guess, existential things. I get that's how I see my work. Whether anyone is listening and thinking she does not know herself, <laughs> she has no concept of what. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, but to me, that's what that's what my goal is with my work is to kind of um, evoke a pleasant way to think about those things when the other space that you might think about that stuff would be maybe therapy or when you're not feeling that you know like people come sometimes that ruminate on stuff and that those kinds of things that you think about then they can take on like a negative connotation if you think like oh I don't even want to think about such and such a thing because I'm only going to then think about this that and the third you know what I guess I would like my music to be for people is a way to kind of explore things that are sometimes a bit more tricky, but in a way that encourages you to look at them as something that you can make beautiful, maybe. Um, and I think that's a desire I get from Lady Gaga, like my obsession with her as a child. I have realized she is the kind of the source of that um, desire for me to kind of transmute something that you feel is unpleasant, dark, um, and turn it into something that other people find appealing, beautiful, art. <laughs> you know again I'm, I'm like trying not to be my usual kind of pretentious self but um yeah she did that in a way that kind of affected me quite profoundly it affected my psyche in a way that like that's what good pop music can do like especially as you know obviously it came out kind of many many years later just how dark her past had been um and then I you know I've seen her live like five times and every single time it's like you get choked up like her ability to kind of give to the world like yeah I don't I genuinely think there's nobody like her um anyway tangent another tangent <laughs> but um yeah I guess like that um you can make something that's kind of soft and yeah I don't know you can you can revisit things in a way that you like heal I guess your inner child or your inner existential philosopher or something you know? they need they need help too <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah can do that through the power of music so yeah so uh, tell the folks listening at home and all over the world where they can get their hands on Different Water. So um, Different Water is it's just digital, actually, um, for the time being. So it is on uh, all good streaming services, <laughs> not to like preference one over the other. Um, obviously, shout out Bangham. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, First and foremost, but yeah, your usual um, Spotify, Apple slash iTunes, um, Tidal, uh, any kind of on-demand streaming uh, place, courtesy of my distributor. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's everywhere. I'm not actually sure. <laughs> you could just, if you Google it, um, yeah, heavily pushing the band camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah and where can they find you on social media um i i guess the the usual the usual suspects um twitter forever aka twitter um i am on there 
for better or the worse. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram. I have a TikTok and I have, I guess that's it. I have a Tumblr page as well for anyone who's <laughs> still stuck in the 2010s. Wow. Like, yeah, I know. Um, kind of, yeah, stuck in the, but it's just all honey gentry. You can just, yeah, I'm, I'm on there. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk to me about you and talk to me about your music. I have I have enjoyed every second of this. Thank you. Me too. I'm so sorry that I've managed to find a way to give the most convoluted <laughs> answers to even the simplest of questions. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's something um, of, <laughs> uh, of value there. But I have enjoyed myself even <laughs> regardless. Thanks for listening to Headliners. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For more information about the show, visit us at www.yourlifethemicstate.com. Headliners is a Spring Break 83 production in association with Rod Wharton Productions. All rights and trademarks reserved. <laughs>